Welcome to coffeeis.me podcast, where me means you, or more precisely, us. This is the show where your host, Valerian, without using any interrogation techniques, convinces coffee professionals to reveal their secrets to teach and inspire you to make better coffee and earn a few bucks on the side, if that's what you fancy. Let the show begin. Hey, coffee fanatics. Welcome in the summer special of Coffee Is That Me podcast. How is your summer? Did you travel a lot? In my case, I did some crazy traveling through multiple time zones and met a lot of awesome coffee and foodie people. I was very excited to see how Bratislava and Budapest opened many awesome cafes, bakeries, and food places. I loved to test them out and unfortunately now I have to pay the price, so I have to go and exercise a lot. Me and my family, we also had a lot of fun in Comarno, the town where I was born, and the town where Green Plantation, my European company, has its headquarters. Unfortunately, recently we had rain floods and plenty of our coffee got destroyed. Advice for you guys, get insurance today. The summer for me is not only about enriching myself with experiences from all the travels and uh, meeting new people, but also allow to take some courses and learn new skills. One of the the things which I do right now, I uh, bought myself uh, courses from Seth Godin. He's my favorite marketeer, I would say, favorite author, and I'm enjoying them a lot. And if you want to learn something new and it's all about coffee what you want to learn, I would recommend our coffeecourses.com where you find tons of coffee courses. Uh, Some of them are free and some of them are paid. So just head there, check it out and enjoy. All right, in this episode, I interviewed Dietmar Vogelmann from Farmer's Blend Coffee. He's a German coffee lover living in Vietnam who decided to change the reputation of Vietnamese coffee. Yes, snooty specialty coffee lovers, this episode is all about Robusta. Whether you like it or not, you have to realize Robusta still rules our coffee industry and it is preferred in many cultures. While I'm not a fan of Robusta myself, I love Dietmar's story and I love his mission. Especially that he decided to do something different than the mainstream. Maybe you remember the episode with William Davis when William said that you know he finds it a little bit boring that every time the cafe is the same, the same, the same, it's copy of the other one. And I see that with the roasting industry that you know we have many new roasting companies which is great, but they are just copy of another one, another one, another one. So I always love to see new things with new ideas popping out, like changing the world of Robusta. And how does Dietma do that? Well, it's time to listen to this podcast. <laughs> Enjoy. Welcome, Dietmar, in uh, Coffee Is Dot Me podcast. Thank you for accepting the invitation. I'm so thrilled to talk about Vietnamese coffee today. Valerian, thanks for having me, and it's my pleasure. Dietmar, what is your coffee story, and how in the hell did you get into Vietnam? You're German, I have to say, right? I, I'm German, yeah, yeah. Um, well, I start with the second part first. Like, I'm living in Vietnam for seven years now. And uh, my main profession is hospitality, so I started, uh, I study hotel management in, in Germany. I was working all over the world. I worked in the Cayman Islands, um, England, Thailand, Maldives, and now Vietnam. <clears throat> and um, 
Well, like the reason why I came to Vietnam was just like plain work. Yeah, I, I had a job before I came here. I know exactly where to go, what to do. And um, so that's how I ended up here. Now I have a wife, I have a small, uh, uh, we have a son together, four years old. <coughs> and it becomes difficult to leave now, you know. Mm. Um, I'm living on the beach, like I'm living in a very touristy area. And uh, it's very seasonal, you know, you have like five months a year business and seven months a year there's like nothing to do. So I wanted, how can I explain, how, how did I end up with coffee now? Where I live is the beach and Vietnam in generally is a very slim country. So like mountains and beach is not very far from each other. So I went in my free time, I went many times to Dalat. Dalat is like the, the, the main capital of coffee in Vietnam and then it's like from where I live, maybe three hours driving. So uh, always on the weekends I went up there, it's cold climate, uh, nice surroundings, green nature. And it reminded me a little bit of where I come from in Germany, like the Black Forest area. Yeah, that's where the new starts, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. And um, well, then, you know, like here in Vietnam, you never go by car, you always go by motorbike. Yeah, so it's always kind of an adventure. And then you take your motorbike up the highlands and you're just driving through the coffee fields and, 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 and farming villages. And there's like coffee everywhere. You know, there it's like, it's, 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 it's a massive area. And I found it fascinating. And then and every once in a while I stopped and I just walk into the farms and I talk with the farmers. I speak a very little Vietnamese. Um, and I just started to become curious about it. So um, during my job, I, I I did research on a private base. It, it was more like a, like a hobby, you know. I, I studied uh, coffee. I studied roasting. I was looking at the market. I did some research on Vietnamese coffee and like what's available, what's maybe missing. And um, it went for like almost four years because I, I I talked a lot about it, but I never had the financials to actually start up a business like this. Mm-hmm. And um, at one point, I said, okay, like, I don't really want to work for anybody anymore. And That's a uh, decision. Yeah, yes. And uh, especially with tourists, you know, I'm working in resorts for like 14 years now. And I don't really want to work with tourism anymore. It's not that I don't like it. I'm just a bit tired of it. So I said, okay, mm-hmm. let's stop this and let's do what I like to do. So I bought myself a coffee roaster. I had all the all the packaging design, all the logos. I had everything ready in my head. I had a, a very good designer uh, who took care of the of the packaging part. Vietnamese? Uh, no, he was uh, um, uh, Russia. Oh, okay. Yeah, and um, like he, like I had I, I had a very good image in my head on on what I want to do. Like the name is Farmers Blend Coffee, and I wanted to represent Vietnam in a more modern but still traditional way, and he achieved it. Um, yeah. Yeah. The the reason why I like your business model is that it's different than what's today pushed. You know, most of the people are going into the specialty grade, right? They going, they're trying to uh, roast, find these specialty coffees and roast, you know, these uh, single origin coffees from very very concrete farms and you went a little bit different way you went 
also the farmer's way, but you decided to do the Robusta and you decided to uh, kind of f- sell it in the right price point. Uh, I saw a TV show about you and that, that's where you explained to the Vietnamese people that you want to sell high quality for low price. Yeah, that's, yeah. like what, what many people don't know, especially overseas, like Vietnam is the second biggest coffee producer in the world, mm-hmm. obviously mainly Robusta. And so that's what's available. Yeah, so you have to work with what's available. But and my goal is not not necessarily specialty coffee. My goal is to change the way people think about Vietnam when it comes to coffee. Mm. Yeah, like a lot of people think it's low quality and like a mass production and yes to a certain part it's true. But um you have to give people the chance to to develop and I work with farmers directly. Um, like we teach them how to process, we teach them how to harvest and uh, um, you know like how to sort and what's important in, in, in the farming industry. Yeah and this is why I like your model that it's different you know because I think one of the problem what we have nowadays is that the market is getting saturated by the roasters doing the same thing. So yes. even I personally do not like Robusta that much and actually I not at all, but I mm. love the fact that it exists and there is a uh, there are, there's a group of people who, who appreciate that because it's different, right? And I think that, you know, coffee is so versatile, so you can find these different models. Like one of them, you know, is here in the United States. You have this company called uh, Deathwish. The yeah, yeah, whole yeah. Prem- pre- uh, premise is that they're producing the strongest coffee of the world. Whether yeah. it's true or not, I don't know. You know, mm-hmm. I don't even know if the coffee is good or bad, but I just love that they found something that be, can be different than anybody else. Yeah, so. it, um, you know what a lot of people underestimate is that even maybe you don't like Robusta, but as an average coffee drinker, yeah, like there's a, I would say 90% of the people who drink coffee, they say I like it or I don't like it. They don't know the difference between Arabica or Robusta. And uh, as I said, Vietnam, the second biggest producer, it has to go somewhere, you know. So all the big producers, all the big names like Folgers or whatever the name, even Lavazza, they buy Robusta mm-hmm. and they blend it together with Arabica. But they never mention it, you know. It doesn't sound so. It doesn't sound like Ethiopia or, or Brazil. Yeah, if you write Vietnam on the packaging. It, it it doesn't have the marketing, it doesn't have the feeling to it. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I totally get it. And that's why I said that's why I like it. Be- what you do because you take that, uh, let's say, uh, not very popular product nowadays, and you repackage it, rethink it, and remarket it. But not only with like marketing slogans, but you basically create a new product out of it, which makes sense because you know you. I saw your videos. You making it on this Vietnamese brewer, right? You know, you yeah. make this Vietnamese cold coffee and stuff like that, which actually seeped into Slovakia, the, the country in Europe where I have my business. Yeah. And there are, there are people who love specialty grade coffee playing with these brewers and playing with Robustas to kind of create this Vietnamese experience, which is awesome, right? No, it is. It is definitely. And it's an it's a up and coming trend. And um, like if, if, if I talk about Vietnamese coffee, I don't necessarily talk about the origin like Vietnam. I talk more about like the beverage and the coffee culture, mm-hmm. like the way to drink the coffee, you know, with that sweetened condensed milk and that um, 
we call it fin, you know, that stainless steel contraption which you put on top of the glass. I don't know if you see that before. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah. the special Vietnamese brewer I called it. Yeah, yeah exactly. And um, it's more like a, for me, it's more like a celebration, you know, and uh, that's what I want to pass on. And um, Vietnamese coffee, it's, when I, when I'm, I'm from Germany, right? And in the US, it's not much different. So everybody needs coffee. So everybody goes to Starbucks and have a, a plastic cup and uh, running around with their, with their coffee on the street and everybody busy, busy, busy. But nobody has the time to actually enjoy it. It's like, it's like fuel, you know, like it's like you just drink it because you, your body thinks you need the coffee in kick. Yeah, but uh, like in my opinion, coffee needs to be celebrated. You have to sit down, you have to take the time, you do people watching, you have, you do socializing, you read your newspaper. And the way Vietnamese brew their coffee is exactly uh, reflecting this. Mm -hmm. I mean, for me, it's always strange when I, let's say, we, we do trainings for our customers or if, you know, I have somebody over and explaining what I do, you know, with coffee and they're like, oh, but it's so much easier to, you know, uh, buy the ground or it's so much easier to, you know, go to the store and, and buy it there and just drink it in a car. I said, I can't even imagine how can you drink the coffee in a car, honestly, because I need my time. It's like there's so little time to relax during the day. So why don't I just spend that five minutes with that coffee, right? <laughs> Yeah, exactly, exactly. And we and used to do that, by the way, in Europe. We used to do that before. Like, I remember that like every morning before we went to work, or my parents, before they went to work, they had this coffee ritual, right? They made this mocha pot and they enjoyed it. And that 30 minutes was about the day, right? Yes, you, you start your day, you, you think about maybe make some plans on what's going to happen today. It, it's like you... You, you you wake up, you know, like, yeah, you think about it, you, you it, it, it's, I think nowadays, you know, it's like, it's, everybody's in a rush, but you go to Starbucks, and I, yeah, I, I always say the name because it's the most popular one, but you pay what, like five, six, seven US dollar for a drink, and then you're running around with it, and, and, and you don't even have the time to actually enjoy it, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Yeah. Even if I go to Starbucks time to time, I always try to ask it in a ceramic cup and kind of enjoy the ambience because I do like that the store designs are pretty, you know, so I just sit down and enjoy the experience because I don't know, but we have to change this. So let's work on that. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. So, exactly. you know, one thing which uh, kind of surprised me that you started a business in Vietnam because during Czechoslovakia, when I was growing up, you know, we were a communistic country. So was Vietnam. And we had a lot of Vietnamese coming to my town to learn about uh, shipyard building, you know. So they were the same kind of like communistic brothers or whatever you call that. Is it, how is it now? Is it hard to start a business in Vietnam? Is, is it possible to do business in Vietnam? It's like the, 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 the plane starting is super easy. Yeah, you, you get your license. You, you can, now they change the law. You can even have a 100% foreign-owned company. Oh, wow. Yeah, before it was always like 49% foreign, 51% Vietnamese. Um, it always obviously depends on your investment. Yeah, and uh, but it's possible. And and just to get the paperwork done is not easy. It's not difficult, and it doesn't take a lot of money. The I think the difficulty you will face here is is mainly the language barrier. Uh huh. 
Um, the cultural differences, they are pretty big. And then, um, uh, like, you have to come... A lot of people make that mistake and they always think like, oh, it, it's not only Vietnam, it's like any other country. It's like they always come with a, with, a, with a small budget, you know, let's say, I don't know, 50,000 US. Yeah, and you start something. This money is gone so fast, you don't even know. And then you're stuck. Yeah. So a lot of people, they don't have the financial background to sustain themselves for like one, two, three years until it kicks off. It's like in every other country also. Yeah, mm-hmm. and um, another problem I see is that uh, there's no social insurance. You know, like uh, I, d- I don't pay uh, social insurance in Germany. I don't have a retirement plan. Um, I have a private health insurance. I-, I have to do things privately. Like nobody helps me. The government in Vietnam certainly doesn't help me on this. I don't. I don't pay into the German. Um, a social fund, yeah. So I have to make it work somehow, and um, that is that's a motivation at one point, but it's also a, a very difficult obstacle at the beginning, at least. Oh, I'm I totally feel you. I totally and Europeans don't understand this too much, but United States uh, is similar. Like the pension here is nothing. It's like when we complain in Europe that our pensions are low. You can actually live off the pension in, in, in Europe. In the United States, it's nothing. So I'm also motivated to build something and retire yeah. on that or work the rest of my life. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There's no choice. <laughs> exactly. There's no choice. Okay. So it's nice to hear that business in Vietnam, to start a business in Vietnam is not that hard and you know the development is happening there. Uh, so you started your, the, the Farmer's Blend. What was your vision? Where did you want to sell the coffee and where do you sell it now? My vision started uh, only in the domestic market. Like uh, Vietnam has one problem when it comes to coffee. Like everybody drinks it, but price is a very big uh, um, motivation for most of the people. So it has to be cheap. Yeah. Um, the average income of a Vietnamese is at the moment, I think, between 150 maybe $200, if he speaks English, maybe 300 per month. So it's, it's, it's quite low, so price is a, is a very important thing. That means that a lot of coffee roasters in the country, they need to produce cheap. Yeah? That means they stretch their product with mainly soya bean or cornstarch, or, or some don't even put coffee in it, and it's just a chemical mix. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so... It's uh, we used to have this after the war, and it was like chicory and coffee. Yeah, they actually yeah. again there is a company actually Blue Bottle did that. You know, in New Orleans here, the the chicory is a traditional part of the coffee. They sell it like you know New yeah. Orleans coffee, and they made it into a thing. You know, this thing which in Europe we go like, oh my gosh, that's a post-war thing. Yeah. It's horrible. Yeah, yeah, they exactly. made it yeah. into a thing. <laughs> So and, and, and here it's it, it's it's available everywhere. Like you go on the street and you sit on a plastic chair in busy Saigon, you have a coffee and it's I would say eighty percent it's not real. Yeah, it's maybe fifty percent coffee, fifty percent something else. But the people are used to this. Yeah. They like the taste, they enjoy it, it's the the kilo is about four dollar US, yeah, if you buy it in the supermarket. And um, that's what people are used to. 
they do not understand the, the effects of real coffee. They don't understand how caffeine works. So my mission was to introduce a 100% natural coffee experience with a fair price to the people of Vietnam. Yeah, to, to educate them about what real coffee actually is. And um, I had my difficulties at the beginning, but slowly it starts to work. When, when did you start? I started about two years ago. Mm -hmm. So how did you find your first customer? Who was your first customer? Do you remember him or her? I don't, I, I don't exactly remember the first customer. I know that I had a lot of trial and errors. Like um, I, I, I roasted and I, I invited all my local friends and say, okay, hey, sit down. I invite you for a co coffee. How you like it? Because Vietnamese are my main target market, right? So I didn't ask any foreigner how they like it. I asked the, the, the locals. And then the majority always said, it's like, oh, it's too sour, it's too bitter, uh, not strong enough, not black enough. And I'm like, what do I do wrong? You know, it's, 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 it's coffee. Like, it's, like, I roasted, it's dark roasted. For my Vietnamese blend, I put a little bit of butter uh, and rum on it. It's, it works a bit like a marinade and it, it, it enhances the flavors. And, um, and then I, I understood, okay, that like, they're just not used to this. You know, it, I need to kind of educate them. So I took them on the side and I, I, I talk with them and I say like, okay, you can sh you, you you stay here. I roast with you together. You see, I don't put anything else inside. And then you try. And it's funny because the first few times they never liked it. But then they started to come back and then they started to understand. And then, you know, you have uh, the, the newspapers in Vietnam and they... They write about these fake coffee companies, get busted from the police, and then you have another food scandal uh, on the newspapers. And then people start to, 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 to realize that, like, hey, what they drink until now or what they eat until now is not very healthy. So they, they start to rethink their options. And um, that's where I come in now. And now is a very, very good time to do this because it, 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 Vietnam is changing so quickly people start to understand there's a lot of Western influence and um, they, they get the point that, that food is actually important mm -hmm. and they, 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 they pay a little bit more for it, that doesn't matter, but they want to have the real deal. Yeah, I, I, I get it. It's, it's very similar to what happened in uh, Slovakia like maybe five, six years ago when people started to be cautious and, you know, most of them are not. Most of them are still shopping for the cheap uh, prices in Tesco's and Kaufland's, you know, the hypermarkets. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's slowly changing because people want to have the healthy stuff in them. So, but there is one thing which you mentioned that your friends didn't like it. And I think you fall into the same problem what we did when we started. And we started not with Robusta, we started with uh, light roasted specialty coffees. But for the people there, it was too sour. It was too acidic. So, <laughs> and it's because people have so-called acquired taste. So they drink something that tastes good for them, and that's for them the definition of the coffee. Okay? Yeah, it exactly. can be the that's biggest. Earlier, yeah. It can be the biggest trash on the market, but that's the definition of the coffee. Now change that, oof, man. That that's that's a hard job. And uh, but once you do it, that's you know that's very rewarding, and you are the one who thought thought them the you know the change. You show them change, and they will be very loyal. So. Exactly, exactly, yeah. yeah. Okay, 
So where do you sell your coffee now? I mean, is it a grocery stores? Is it a farmer's market or restaurants, cafes? Um, I do a lot of like local markets, like, yeah, farmer's market. Um, I, my main market at the moment is uh, Saigon, Ho Chi Minh City. Um, where I live, it's very touristy. There's a few resorts, hotels using my coffee, so that's B2C. Um, some tourists take it as a souvenir, of course, my local friends. Um, but Saigon mainly works on e-commerce, like I have my own website with an with online shop, I do free delivery, um, I have uh, selected uh, uh, retailers, small retailers, like independent ones. Um, yeah, that, that, that's my main thing. Um, again, like I, I, I choose my market to go B2C instead of uh, supplying coffee shops or restaurants, because the market in Vietnam for the coffee shops is way too big. To actually enter, so it's easier for me to get a market share in the in the in the private sector with the like like end consumers, than having a big competition about uh, in, in coffee shops. Mm -hmm. And uh, how much coffee do you sell now? Uh, domestically, about 300, 400 kilos a month. A month. Hmm, that's yeah. not bad. Uh, and uh, you said domestically. So does it mean that you sell also abroad? Uh, yes, I started uh, selling on Amazon in the US uh, beginning of the year. Um, I sent out two shipments by now. Uh, total is like uh, 1.5 tons. Like in the last, what's now, June, May, in the last five months. Um, so that's not so bad. Uh, Amazon I like because it's, it's a very convenient way to... to uh, um, extend my, my target and my market and again what I said earlier like domestically my goal is to introduce real Vietnamese coffee to the local people my international goal is to introduce the Vietnamese coffee culture mm -hmm. and uh, America is just a huge market so it's, uh, it's kind of a no-brainer to start with this plus there's a little bit of a relationship between Vietnam and US we just signed that um, TTP uh, agreement, you know, that, that uh, which makes trading between America and Vietnam easier. Um, uh, the U.S. has a huge Vietnamese population, um, so that's that's one thing we we definitely wanted to start. Um, I'm working on uh, Emirates at the moment and then Japan, so that hopefully will be done within the next two three months, and then we are like extending. Dietmar, I'm missing one country there. Germany, huh? <laughs> yeah, what's happening there? <laughs> I, I, I would love to, but it's um, well, I, 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 I'm looking for distributors, and I, I don't want to work with a lot of people. Like for me, I want to be the manufacturer. I'm not a salesperson, mm. so I do look for like honest people who want to work with me together. I can like, and, and Germany is at the moment. You know, the import registrations in the European Union are very strict. Oh, yeah, I know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and, and, and Germany is, is certainly of interest, but it's so expensive. You know, like, even, like, Germany is one of the few countries in the Europe, in the world, who has a coffee tax. All right, I oh. forgot about that. Yeah? Yeah. So, I have, I have to pay 2 euro and 19 cent for every kilo I sell, just I, on, on tax. I don't even know how this works, because... Uh, 
We in Slovakia, our grossing company is based in Slovakia, that's European Union, for those who don't know. And we don't have any coffee tax or whatever. You just you have the VAT, it's regular stuff. And yeah. then we send out coffees now all over the world. And we do sell some coffee to Germany, and it's totally official, so they buy it from a web store, we send it out, and we never pay the coffee tax. Yeah, that's, uh, if the, the, the store you're selling into, they have to pay for it. Oh, well, no, no, yeah, these are not stores, these are people, these are uh, like, you know, regular, regular consumers because our website is catered to the consumers. Yeah, then, 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 then you have a kind of a loophole. But, uh, yeah, yeah, but it's normally, or when you, imp when you ship to them, it goes through custom and then they, they might be, they but may it be doesn't go through our customs because we are in EU already, you know? Yeah, yeah, that's why, like, it's a, that's a, that's actually a good plan. <laughs> you should see, you should start a company in Slovakia or Poland or <laughs> Bulgaria, you know, and there are loopholes, but, but I know for a fact, if you work with, with retailers or, or like if like me, if I look for a distributor, like he need to pay uh, uh, two two euros per kilo extra plus VAT plus import tax. Yeah, and VAT in, in Germany is on food is like eight uh, percent. Seven. Seven. You know, so this is a good thing for you guys, and this is a, a good conversation. I want to get into it a little bit just for a short while because uh, in EU. Every country has its own VAT. It's like United States, every, con every state has its own tax. But in Europe, like for example, Slovakia has a 20% flat VAT. So it means that most of the stuff is 20% VAT at coffee including. Now in Great Britain, the VAT on coffee is zero. Mm. So, you know, when uh, we want to do a business with UK or we want to sell through UK Amazon, we are in trouble because we already have to price our product 20% more because we have to pay the VAT, obviously, in Slovakia. We can register for VAT in UK, but you know, with the quantities like a few hundred kilos, it doesn't really make sense, right? It's, it's a lot of paperwork. <laughs> yeah, it's, and it's, you, have to, like, you have to think about these things all the time. And now we just realize if you sell to, because we have some customers sometime in Dubai or in Iran, we had some customer now. So if you send there, it's tax-free. Also, United States is tax-free. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So then, in that in that case, our coffee is very cheap for them because you know they don't have to pay the twenty percent uh, VAT. So, but you know, for again Germany, for example, um, the kilo at the moment in in the, in a normal retailer is roughly in US about fifteen US per kilo on average. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So uh, let's say you produce Arabica, that costs you already seven seven euro per kilo, maybe six. So with the shipping, with all these taxes, then you're already on a on a price of let's say 12, 13 US in Germany. So you have a margin of maybe a dollar per kilo to be competitive. Yes, yeah. and that's why I always recommend to people not to go to that uh, commercial grade um, coffees and not to compete with giant brands. And that's why unique selling propositions, like in your case, is the the culture, the very special connection with Vietnamese, you know, farmers does it. So you can price the product a little bit higher than the usual one. In our case, is the farmer's story, the story of the farms, the different yeah. roast level, the fact that we, you know, roast it ourselves and deliver it fresh because people order it online. We don't deliver until the coffee is roasted. So it's that special connection gives us that leverage that it's not one euro, but a little bit more. Yeah, 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 yeah no, I understand. 
All right. So uh, we talked about your first customers and that's where you sell your coffee. Uh, let's talk about the farms you work with. Uh, yeah. Do you have a special farms you work with or do you just go around and find random farms? Um, when I started, I, I visited a whole lot of farms, like randomly. Like um, First, obviously, what was convenient for me to visit in, a, in, a, in, in the, in the distance-wise. And um, and then I, I made up my mind like um, I'm a I'm a little bit of an emotional person and I say okay if I like someone like the first impression counts yeah so out of these random farmers I visited and I talked to I I, I basically picked the one which suit my personality the best yeah mm -hmm. regardless of what they produced because. Um, in Vietnam, coffee is, 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 every, is everywhere is the same. So, so it doesn't matter which farmer you choose, the quality is always more or less the same. So for me, it was like, okay, I need a personality person and a guy who's willing to invest time together with me to make things better. Yeah, like willing to learn. Oh, perfect. Okay. Yeah, and um, now I, at the moment, I have like three, four farmers I'm working constantly with. And uh, it took a little bit of time. I, I also don't do this alone. Like uh, there's a few people with me, and in, in especially in the specialty coffee world in Vietnam now. So there is people who support the farmers who who teach them that when you when harvest season you don't take the whole cherries off the tree, you just take the ripe ones. No, oh, nice. Yeah, and and that kind of thing. So so it's it's a learning process, and I didn't want to waste my time with people who don't want to learn. Oh, that's. That's a very clever uh, strategy. You mentioned that you work only with the farmers who are willing to learn. So does it mean that you motivate them somehow, financially or uh, with the fame, or yeah. how, how do you motivate them? Like, uh, the, the best motivation here is financially. So I obviously pay more than the, the normal market price. And um, I'm, not, I'm not certified as a fair traded company like Rainforest Alliance or something like that. I, I don't think it's worth it. But um, uh, my approach is like from farm to cup. So I want to know the people I'm working with and they get the salary they deserve oh, nice. for, for, the, for, the, for the product they, 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 they're selling me. That's very good. Uh, yeah. So, so, I mean, obviously... There, there, there is a global market price, yeah. So this is my my, my benchmark point, yeah. And then we, we we put a bonus on top depending on how the harvest goes or like the quantity or quality. So when you work with them or even with your customers, does the fact that you are German gives you some credibility in Vietnam, in Slovakia, for whatever reason, the fact that you know some foreign uh, involvement is is included that always gives a credibility to the coffee i don't know why is that so does it work also in vietnam yeah i have to like, uh, laugh a little bit but yes no it does it helps yeah. a lot actually <laughs> yeah <laughs> I, I saw you you know i saw you i saw all the kind of news articles about you and uh you you got like few even tv appearances one was like i was watching it yesterday it was like 35 minutes or something yeah yeah no, that was a good one that's crazy uh, yeah, man it, that's congrats on that it's funny because like like first I'm here for a long time and I understand the culture. I speak Vietnamese a little bit. It's not good enough to have a proper conversation, but it's okay for a little small talk. 
and 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 Vietnamese, like actually most Asian, are they're, they're they're just curious, you know. And and when it comes to a product, especially like coffee, like what what everybody drinks and everybody knows, and then putting it together with a white person, I always call it like the foreign bonus. Um, it just makes a bit more for credibility, and then and, and it's it, they, they they like it, especially with the mission I have. They 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 understand. Okay, like hey. This guy wants to do something for our country, for our people. Yeah, so um, it's not only because I, I have white skin and I'm tall, but it's also the, the fact that um, I have a very, very good understanding about the Vietnamese culture and how, how things work here. Um, and, and you always yeah. mention every time, so your you know, uh, TV presentation, you always mention that you, know, uh, you want to create cheaper prices for Vietnamese people. You want to create you know, better coffee for Vietnamese people, you want to work with Vietnamese farmers, you want to, so you always kind of mention that aspect, you know, but what in yeah. Slovakia what works is like, like, if you have a, let's say, specialty grade coffee, which, you know, is roasted the same, you know, level on the same machine, is maybe even the same lot, but one is done by a German or a, or a British company, is always gives a little edge over our company, over, over, over Green Plantation. And I always wondered about that. Why is that people will prefer that over ours? You know, it's like... It... I think it's it, it's a bit of the history, you know, like, I mean, Slovakia, Vietnam, I mean, it's like completely different. But again, like, maybe Slovakia used to be a third world country. Vietnam still is. But they have the same development, you know, like they... they the Western influence comes in slower, and they see, hey, the European Union or Americans, they have all these fancy cars and like a supermarket full of, of, of products. We want that too. So what they have must be good, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I hope that, you know, we over, because that was true in 90s when we changed from communism to, you know, democracy yeah. or whatever you call it, what we have in Slovakia. But, uh, yeah, it's... Uh, it, it, it was very, like, I remember, like, everybody preferred foreign products. But now we're also trying to build kind of like a, nation, like a national identity. We are very proud yeah. that as a Slovakia we are in EU, not as Czechoslovakia, because we used to be Czechoslovakia. So our politicians are very strong on the national words, national identity, which, you know, I'm, I'm more a, like a world traveler, so I don't really care for that kind of uh, rhetoric. But they do. So I wonder if you have all that strong, you know, national identity, why they don't yeah, yeah, prefer their local products over the foreign ones. That's always puzzling me. Like they, they, they prefer the local product, but with a foreign influence. Like Vietnamese people are very proud people. Yeah? Mm -hmm. And that comes from the history and you can't blame it. Blame them. But um, like when you put something proudly made in Vietnam, made for Vietnamese people, it's a you you create this bond, and when you have then the 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 the, the, the Western influence in the product for the Vietnamese, that creates the, the 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 part where they trust you. You know, where they see, where they where they okay, like this is a foreigner. He doesn't put soya bean or he doesn't put chemical in 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 in, in his coffee. Mm -hmm. You know, like that's where the trust comes in because even though Vietnamese are very proud. They don't trust very much the own, their own people, you know. They, they, it's uh, it's a bit 
cheating here a little bit there, uh, uh, stretching here a little bit. Um, we are very close to China. You don't want to know what kind of uh, uh, food scandals we, we get here. So you mentioned that uh, most of the coffee grown in Vietnam is uh, Robusta. Is there also there some Arabica? Is, uh, are, are there some people who are experimenting with specialty grade Arabicas maybe? Uh, there, there is Arabica here also. There's especially uh, Tupica and Katimo. Um, like uh, where I used to go most of the time, Galat, what I mentioned earlier, it, it's on 1400 meters above sea level. And uh, it's, it's very good climate and soil uh, conditions to grow Arabica. Um, if you follow the news, I believe three or four months ago, Starbucks brought out a single origin uh, uh, Arabica coffee from Vietnam. I don't know if you hear I, that. I didn't. I did not hear that. Yeah, but uh, but that was a big push for for Vietnamese coffee in general. Like they use only Arabica, but um, they are not. They, they they started and it's it's not. It's a specialty coffee is coming, but very slowly. Yeah, I mean, we had the international coffee show in Saigon two weeks ago, and it was awesome. It was the like the very first show, it's from the same people who organized the one in Korea. And um, it's incredible like what's going on in the specialty scene. It's like there, there's individual people who go to the farm, who have their own farm, who do that without big budget, just to, to, to prove a point yeah, that it's possible. And uh, <clears throat> I read a story the other day um, from a, from an American nonprofit organization, uh, they scored 88 points for a whole lot. They get an American buyer for 20 ton for the whole harvest. Um, specialty grade coffee from Vietnam. So it it is there, but it's not a very high, high quantity. Mm -hmm. Interesting. I never had a Vietnamese uh, Arabica, but I had your neighbors Laos. Um, yeah, yeah, and. Uh, I was blown away because usually when you get uh, like a new producers Arabica, say, yeah, okay, and you go like fine. But this guy did honey, he did natural, and he did washed, and all of them were ultra clean, very nicely processed, and they had a very yeah. unique uh, taste. I would say that I was like, you know, I was expecting. I was like, okay, I'm going to try it because I have to. So I wasn't expecting too much, but it was really fascinating. And uh, since then, I'd never saw that anywhere. I would actually buy it for my company in Slovakia if I see it green, but you know, brought in by some of the importers. So I guess there's a lot of potential in in, in both countries with Arabica. Can one buy a farm in Vietnam if, let's say, I decide to grow Arabica? Can I go and buy myself a farm? Uh, legally, by law, as a foreigner, you're not allowed to buy land. Okay. Yeah, so uh, you can long-term lease for like 50 or 99 years. Or you can go through a Vietnamese partner who owns the land on your name. Can I create a LLC or something like that, a corporation, and the corporation can buy the land? No, not the land. You can, like, uh, you can build on the land and the building would belong to you, but not the land. Like for example, you can you can you can uh, buy condominium apartment buildings that sort of thing, but you will never own the land. Okay. Um, I mean, like renting fifty fifty years and on like fifty years, and then you you pass it on to your childrens. That works also. 
but still you will not be the official owner of the land. Is it expensive to buy land in Vietnam? Oh no, it's super cheap. Like I was looking into a coffee farm uh, a few months ago and obviously it depends on, on uh, if there is a, a, um, a water or irrigation system or if it's like high elevation, low elevation. But I, I would say roughly about two to two dollar fifty, maybe three dollar per square meter. Oh, cool. So are you going to buy a coffee farm? Are you looking into it? Is it the next thing for you? I, I yeah, I'm working on a project. I don't want to buy my own farm anymore, but I was offered from an older Vietnamese who owns a, a big farm and uh, his family is in the US and he doesn't want to take care of it anymore. So he needs somebody who takes care of the farm. And uh, he was approaching us if, if we are interested in it. And uh, so we, 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 are, we are thinking about it at the moment. Um, it, it, would be a, it would be definitely something I want to do, but not because I need the coffee from the farm. I want to change uh, to certified organic. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, so, so basically, I, I would get this farm, get rid of all pesticides and all these uh, for the next two, three, four years, change the soil, and then getting a certified organic farm, which I would be the first one in Vietnam. Oh, wow. That would be cool. It's yes. always good to be first one in something. No, no, it, it would be like pioneering the whole industry, actually. And uh, the, the, see, I had a meeting a few weeks ago and um, because I wanted to get a, a certification like USDA certification. Mm -hmm. um, but it's, it's, it's really it's not possible. Like everybody who tells you it's uh, organic coffee, but it, 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 it cannot be. Yeah. Uh, and it's not because the farmers use too much fertilizers, it's just because the soil is ruined from like 30, 40, 50 years ago. Yeah. 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 So it's a, it's a, um, it's, it's a long-term process. So you have to change the whole lot. You need to get plants used to the, the new circumstances. Um, it would be a long-term project and, and this would be a very good option for me because the owner, he doesn't need the money from the farm. I don't need it. So there's enough time to, to create this, you know? Yeah. Uh, I, I see. And, you know, it's, it's, as you said, it's not about the profit that much. It's more about the fact that you pioneer something. And with pioneering something comes a lot of attention, a lot of buzz. So, yeah, that's a great strategy. So we, we, I'll keep you updated. we see how it goes. Yeah, I'm, I'm really curious. Uh, maybe I'll buy the land plot next to you. <laughs> it, it actually would be an Arabica farm. It would be. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, as I said, I was really... Uh, I would be really curious about the Vietnamese era because, uh, you know, what's happening there. Because, uh, as you said, a second biggest producer of coffee and with, like with everything in business, is there's a demand, there will be change done. You know, if yeah. uh, if they improve some coffee and they get more money for that, I'm sure that uh, they will change their ways of growing. Which takes me to the second question. Uh, next question is, uh, what do you see are the biggest problems today uh, on the coffee farms? What do the farmers do bad and what would you recommend them to do better in order to, uh, let's say, attract foreign uh, buyers? I think what, what Vietnamese farmers need to learn, and that's most importantly, is uh, the harvest. Yeah, because at the moment they're just going around the farm and, and, and pick up all the cherries at the same time. Green, not green, doesn't matter. So that's, a, that's the main thing. 
and then uh, the processing. You like as I said, my robusta is mainly natural process here. So that means you just have the whole lot on uh, on the on the street in the sunshine. You you move it around every once in a while. You have a lot of uh, um, imperfection and and uh, fungal infections. Yeah. So uh, um, processing, harvesting, that's the key which have to change. You know, people would definitely uh, kill me if I will not ask you about your coffee roaster. So what coffee roaster do you use um, and what features does it have? And, you know, just tell us what coffee roaster you use. I use a, a locally made, a Vietnamese made <coughs> uh, ProBud replica. Uh, I can do five kilo per bed. It's uh, um, an electronic one, like I have 6,000 watts. There is honestly there's not much features on it. There's a temperature regulation. There's a, um, a airflow regulation, and that's basically all. Like it's a very simple machine. It does the trick. It it works for what I do. I do look for another one at the moment, to be honest. Okay. So is it because you are not happy with it, or because uh, you're getting high volumes now and you need up upgrade? Uh, both. Both. Okay. So. Uh, you said it's electric, so it's not gas? No, it's electrical. How long does it take to roast on that? I can do five kilos. I do about 18 to 22 minutes mm -hmm. on a temperature up to 205 degree. And um, the last few minutes goes up to 210 and then it's switched off. Okay. Huh. Okay. And uh, just if somebody wants to buy electric five kilo Vietnamese roaster, how much does it cost? About three grand, about three thousand. Oh, okay. And does yeah, this three to five. and does this company make also gas roasters? Uh, this particular one doesn't, but there's plenty here they do. Oh, so there's plenty of companies who make coffee roasters in Vietnam. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. It's a it's a big market, and you have uh, it's actually not a big market, but again, like. You have the second biggest producer. I think every tenth person I'm talking to has something to do with coffee. Yeah, either the relatives have a coffee farm or have a coffee shop or doing coffee roasters or doing coffee exporting. Like it seems that really like almost everybody has something to do with it in some way. Okay, that that, that can be a funny world, you know, when every everybody is doing coffee. It's like a coffee nerd's dream come true. No, it's, it's true. Like uh, when I go to these local markets, you don't want to know how many people come to me and say, "Oh, my 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 nephew has a coffee farm," or "My my mother has a co coffee farm." Like it's it's really like a lot. Okay, is there any uh, Vietnamese brand you can recommend? Because you know this is a question which I get all the time through our co online courses. People ask me about roasters, and you know, obviously, our recommendations always go with the you know, nice fancy ones, but. I also know that most of the people cannot afford them yet. You know, they will one day. So they're looking into China, you know, they're looking into Turkey. So yeah. is there something cool in Vietnam they should check out? Uh, there is a, I don't know the name, honestly, of the company, but I know that uh, the guy is also a German engineer and he basically builds German technology roasters in Vietnam for a fraction of the price. Um, I... I I would love to give you the name of the company, but I, I don't have it on me at the moment. Okay, but you're going to give it to me, right? Certainly, I will, yeah. <laughs> Sounds great, man. <laughs> no, German technology for a fraction of the price. Dude, that's a yeah, dream come yeah, true. Yeah. 
No, that's perfect. I, I, I'll you know keep in touch, and maybe if we find out the name, we can put it in the show notes uh, so people can yeah. look them look, look yeah. him out. I guess. Okay, so is there a secret to roast a robusta? Is there something which is totally different than with arabica? Um, not really. I actually prefer robusta. I find it more easy to roast. Um, it's a uh, how can I, the impurities in Robusta is a lot higher than in, 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 in Arabica. I find like there's a lot of, um, because it's a natural process, so it's not, 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 not really washed or cleaned. So you, you always find little sticks and stones in your bags and you have to sort them out somehow. It, it, it works, but um, from, a, from a plain roasting point of view, I believe Robusta is a bit easier to roast in Arabica because you don't have to have you know, like when, when you roast Arabica, you talk about all the flavors and aromas and you, you want to get to the right point to extract the, the, the right bitterness and, you know, the, the, the body. With Arabica, you, 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 what you want is you want to get the, 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 the full flavor, the body, the, the, the harshness, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, it doesn't take a lot to, to, to get to this point. Okay, so my last question is, uh, where do you see the future of the coffee, Vietnamese coffee industry? What's going to happen in the next five years, for example? I think that a lot of people will recognize Vietnamese coffee as, as, a, as a quality producer and as, as, as not, not being the mass production country anymore, but really going into the better quality specialty coffee and to, to, to gain a lot higher reputation for what it actually makes. Uh, at least that's what I hope. Okay. Well, good luck with that. And uh, I can see that you're doing a lot of exciting things with roasting, branding, Vietnamese coffee, and also getting into farming, which uh, sounds also kind of fun. Uh, so good luck with that. And thank you so much for this podcast. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. I had a blast to talk to uh, Dietmar about the Vietnamese coffee. If you feel chatty and you want to share your experiences, please join our coffees.me Facebook group. I make sure there are no spams there. I make sure that no uh, plugs there. We really want to talk about business. We want to talk about uh, helping each other, right? Before I press the stop button, I would like to talk just a little bit about the concern I got from you guys about the audio quality of these podcasts. I'm really sorry some of you are not happy. This is what I can do. Uh, this is my level of knowledge of audio things. I'm a, I'm a coffee guy. I, I, I'm an online uh, business guy. I'm not an audio uh, professional. I really apologize if the quality is not what you would like to have. A few episodes ago, I did ask you guys for help and uh, I did get one offer from Michelle who is helping uh, with the Facebook group. I also got offers for uh, improving the audio quality but they're all paid and you know I'm spending my personal time and I'm spending my own money on this podcast and I would like to keep it free. So at this point the audio quality is going to be what it is. I did think about monetizing different ways, but I did not find the right model which will take me to those numbers, which will help me with this podcast to make it more professional. So I hope you don't mind. Um, 
this is what it is. I still think that the content is gold. Our guests are willing to share. Our guests are really open when they come to this podcast. And I highly, highly appreciate it. So this is it. Have a great summer and talk to you soon. Bye.